relate to that kind of kind of thing because if you look around us here, we're pretty much a blue-collar church. A few of us have office jobs. Uh, when we see verses about getting busy for the kingdom, we relate to that. Just a couple Saturdays back, a bunch of us guys showed up here at the church, and I saw a lot of smiles as the guys took care of the projects Dennis had on his to-do list. In fact, we did more than he had expected, and the reward was both a job well done and a great meal. We get that. Hard work, you know, most of us have a decent work ethic. We get that. I saw an interview with Mike Rowe. He was the host of a show called Dirty Jobs. And I don't know if how many of you have seen that show. I've seen parts of a couple episodes. I knew what it was about. But the idea was that he would interview people that had literally the most despicable jobs in America. And then they would give him a brief training time and he would actually do this. And I saw an interview with him and it was really quite interesting because he said it was not unusual to meet people who had the lowest jobs of all and were, were all kinds of nasty things they had to clean and build in terrible occasions. There was different ones where he went out on the ocean and stuff like that. Uh, to be honest, those were the kind of jobs that when I see people doing them, I point the, at those and I tell my daughters, that's why you're going to university. <laughs> but as, as awful as the job was, as miserable as it was, they took pride in that. We get that. Hard for us to indeed to relate to old money. Kennedys, Aspers, Irvings, Rockefellers, Fords. People born into money, never experiencing lack. As Canadians, royalty is something on the news, which happens in England. Look around you. Please do. Look around you. When you walk into this building on a Sunday morning, you see familiar faces, most of whom, like I said before, have blue-collar or office jobs. But I ask you, look again. Sitting around you are princes and princesses. Now, remember when I was showing you that slideshow before of different kinds of royalty and, and the trappings of associated with that. But the reason I'm talking about this is, let's look at this logically. Since God is our Father, logically, if we are king's kids, that makes us princes and princesses. And so, you look at that and you think, well, you may be asking, so what? It's a valid question. When I was uh, preparing this message, part of my preparation was I had coffee with a very godly friend, and I was telling him I felt God wanted me to talk about how we are actually royalty. But I says, I was struggling with how to continue the message. I says, I needed the, and he filled in the blank, you needed the so what. It's true. Like, so what? I mean, we're royalty, look around you. Uh, it's not something that we normally connect with. We often think royalty is the great inheritance uh, that we get after we die, right? Yes and no. One of my favorite profs at Bible college would frequently say, already, not yet. 
We already know how to face life as worker bees. That comes naturally. Sometimes we need to face life from the perspective of a prince or a princess. And royal people do face differently. Now some of you are thinking, okay, royalty, really Walter? Uh, if a, if someone royal would actually stoop to riding a motorcycle, it certainly would be a Harley, not a 33-year-old Yamaha. Already? Not yet. Remember what I said. Alright? But, if I can, during the course of the message, try and add this hat to your thinking, the hat of royalty, a crown. When facing difficulty, we know how to yell the one-word prayer, help. God hears and helps us through it in some manner. Our default mindset should not be this, but rather this. Jesus is a great example of this. We all know the story of Jesus asleep in the boat while the crew, some of whom were seasoned fishermen, panicked while battling a vicious storm. Jesus was asleep. It's easy to say, of course, he's God. But this was not their first boat trip with the Lord. The fact is, after all the training they had received and miracles observed, the disciples could have prayed for the storm to, re- to stop them or reduced whatever. No guarantee that God would have done what they asked. But why did they not even try? Don't believe me? Jesus himself said, we, as in we, would do greater things than him. We as God's kids, princes and princesses, have access to that same power. In a later storm, Peter gets out of the boat and walks on the water. A lot of us focus on Peter's eventual fear resulting in his sinking. But I think we should focus on the rest of the disciples. Why didn't they throw their oars and say, shove this, let's join Pete? You know? Why didn't one of them say, hey Andrew, throw the anchor down, let's leave this sucker parked here, and let's go walk with the Lord and Peter? Why didn't they do that? They could have. They had had a pile of training from the Lord by that time. Trust me, it is a mindset and attitude. Over in England, Will and Kate may have life difficulties, but I guarantee you, they never question the resources they're plugged into. This is the attitude we need. I'm not advocating name it and claim it thinking. If this was a name it and claim it church, this would be a very easy message for me to preach. You know, let's think about it. After the message, we'd all gather out in the parking lot, You know, Dennis would put his hands on his car and so, Lord, change this into a Porsche 911, you know. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? You know, and, uh, you know, we'd pray over our bills that we get at the end of the month and just say, Lord, take care of it. That's name it and claim it. That doesn't work. Uh, I wish it did. But the attitude is correct. 
And that is, we have to think about the resources we're plugged into. Like when I had the life preserver up there before, we often think, I'm drowning in bills, I can't find a job, I got health problems or whatever, and we pray for help. Rightly so. But I would like us to have more of a confidence. I'm the king's kid. I'm a prince. I'm a princess. He has vast resources that I can plug into. And it should, it should result in faith. Will God answer us in the way that we expect? Maybe yes, maybe no. But I think he honors the confidence that we pray and with an expectation, Lord, I'm one of your kids. You have limitless resources. I'm in trouble right now, but I'm trusting you for the outcome. Pray with confidence in the limitless resources of the God. Our Father who built galaxies calls you his child. He's a king, you're a prince and a princess. One of my friends would often say when he would see people acting poorly, he would often call it their map of the universe. For example, we've all worked with that guy in the shop who complains about everything. Uh, we, we've all worked with that guy, the know-it-all. We've all worked with the guy who, it's never my fault, this just broke. I had nothing to do with it. And my friend used to call that the map of the universe because that was how these guys would approach things. Something would go wrong, and because of their upbringing, because of circumstance in life, their default setting was to, to complain or say it's not my fault or blame someone else or something like that. Today, let's look at a couple of maps. The first one here is the pauper map of the universe. Unfortunately, for a lot of us, that's kind of the default setting. When you are trained to feel insignificant, you develop survival skills to try to avoid the pain of that reality. A pauper uses survival skills because he believes that life is one big dog-eat-dog world. This poverty mentality is the primary attitude an attribute of the pauper. The fear of lack is based on lies. And until those lies are broken, people cannot recognize God's provision for their lives. Paupers always feel like their resources are limited. After looking at our bank statement, we let those numbers determine our vision. We are living within our means instead of within our blessings. We have lost sight of the fact that we don't just work on the farm. We are sons and daughters of the owner. And dad has plenty. We need to be a bit more like this. JFK, one of the coolest presidents, I always thought. His son John is down there playing under the desk. Now take a look at that. That's the Oval Office. That's the desk where big decisions get made. And that kid is playing with some toy underneath there. And uh, 
dad is running the country. He doesn't have a care in the world. He's just thinking, this is cool. And I don't even know if he realizes how important that office is. In there, big decisions get made. Budgets get launched. All kinds of stuff. And that kid, he's plugged into that. Because the guy at the desk is not POTUS, as in President of the United States. He's not Sir. He's Daddy. Sometimes... We need this kind of map, the king's kid map of the universe. We have been called to live beyond reason and far beyond the borders of our own abilities. If we can't, if we cannot do any more than mere men, then let us not tell others that we are part of the church of the living God. Now, there's a, there's at least one time in the New Testament, in one of Paul's letters, where he says, be like me. I always think that's a rather bold and audacious statement, and coming from Paul, he could do that. But you know, even Audra and I sometimes get it right. So here's an example of, of something a while back, long before I ever thought of this as a message. Back in 2005, Audra and I had a dream of going to China. Little did we know that that would be our first of two trips, actually, and I, I still pray for God for, to God for another one. But uh, one thing that we did, and like I said, we got it right this time. I wish, we could, I, I, wish I could say we got it right all the time. But this time, our prayer, we rarely ever prayed, Lord, Give us the money to go on this trip. And believe me, my, mine and Audra's bank account did not have the cash to fly to China. But we knew that God had it in our heart, had put it in our heart to do that. What we typically would pray, the two of us would pray in our living room or in the car, is we would ask, Daddy, can we go? That was our prayer. Like I said, I think we got it right that time. And, the cool thing about it was we prayed exactly that. We felt God had told us, you guys are taking the family to China. And at the time when we started praying about that, there was no plan by Gateway to send a team. Uh, later on, that came about. I like to think it was partly because of our prayers. We sure didn't have the cash. Um, China has a bit of a mystique to it in the sense that if you're telling someone you're going to Germany or Jamaica, people say that's cool. If you say China, they go, China? Really? Like there's kind of, that's some, somehow that's a little bit different. But we felt that's what we were supposed to do. Well, this one day, one of Audra's old friends called her up. And uh, the news was that her buddy was pregnant. And so the two of them are chatting. Of course, she's happy for her, her friend and all this. And then the, the, the topic got on about how uh, what we were doing, what our future plans were. By this time, Gateway had already put together a team. Uh, and uh, Keith and Pauline Miners, who used to attend here, were leading the team. And uh, we were signed up. Still, not enough money. 
And Audra, Audra tells her friend, she says, Verna, our plan is uh, to go to China. We want to go there for us. We're joining the summer mission team. And uh, we're, this is what we feel we, God wants us to do. She said, uh, how much do you think that would cost? A good rough estimate is about two grand per person. Family of four, do the math, eight grand. So she says, we're looking at about $8,000 for the flights. And uh, Verna just said very quietly, we can cover that. And Audra, <coughs> Audra's tearing up over there. It's a great memory. And she said, Verna, what are you saying? Then she told us a story about this fund. I won't get into it, but her and her husband had set aside a fund. And it was around eight grand U.S. And uh, she said, it's yours. We Like she didn't even ask her husband. She says, I know, that's what it's for. And our, our flights were covered. Daddy, can we go? We did. When we daily trust God for our substance, then we will tap into heaven's resources. Sometimes we disguise fear as stewardship. Paul says in this verse, My God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Jesus Christ. Philippians 4.9 What Paul is saying is, Princes do not work for money, they work for the king. Probably a lot of you have heard that kind of message before. Somebody preached that about how we do our job. What's your job? Well, I'm plowing this field. You know, I'm in the tractor pulling the disker. In my case, I'm uh, backing up a database at the airbase. You know? Uh, but what we should be thinking is, we're working for the king. And the cash that we're getting, some of it belongs to him. He gives it to us, and we give it back. Imagine if you had been raised in a palace where every person around you told you from birth that you are destined to be a king or queen. Who would you be today? And how would your life be different now? Now, a wise friend of mine once said that if you preach a message, God tests you in it not long before. So I've decided that next year my message is going to be being a steward of vast quantities of money. <clears throat> Last Sunday, Audra and I took Tasha and her friend Emily to Rotting Mountain National Park. I'm going to tell you a short story. Many of you have been in this situation when you've watched a movie and you see some stuff happening and you know what's going to happen next. This is one of those stories. On Sunday, we hooked up the trailer, tied my, la my kayak to it, loaded everything up. Sometime during the preparation, I told Audra, 
We're going to be camping about four times this summer. They're all, you know, four or five night stints. And I said, the tires on this trailer are really crappy. When we come back from riding Mountain National Park during the week and a half between our next camping trip, I'm going to replace the tires. We didn't make it to Portage. If you want to talk to my daughter afterwards, she has a slide on her phone of the shredded tire. And the tires that we had on there were old. I believe they could make it to Clear Lake and back, no problem. I had much less faith in the spare. The spare was truly that. It was the kind of thing that you use to get to the next gas station. So we're driving, we're on our way to Portage, and all of a sudden the car starts handling a little odd. And I look in the back and there's my tent trailer slanted pulled over, and we had shredded the tire. And uh, after quite a bit of work under the beating hot sun, I did praise the Lord for paved shoulders because it is a lot easier to change a tire than that. We put the other spare, we put the spare on. Then as a warning to other campers, I put that ugly spare on the back. <laughs> Tasha's friend Emily said, she says, my dad, if he was behind you, would be saying, girls, that's why you buy a good spare, you know? <laughs> so all four of us prayed over the tire and the other one. And I said, on the way down there, I was thinking, Lord, it's Sunday. No tire shops are open today. Some of them might be celebrating Monday as a stat holiday because Canada Day was Saturday. And uh, we have to make it all the way to Clear Lake. Then I started thinking about what my wise friend had said to me. God will, te- will test you on what you're going to be preaching on soon. I'm an IT guy. I do, I take care of databases for the Canadian Air Force. And as an IT guy, I'm constantly thinking of contingency. You know, if, if a user calls me up and says, Walter, I can't connect to the database with my computer. My first thought is, I'll be right over. I'll help you out. But sometimes I have to say, Sorry, sir, uh, I've got a meeting I'm leaving for. Is there anyone else in your shop whose computer is connecting properly? And they might say, yeah, George is on, on leave for a week. I can use his machine. I says, great, can you do that until I get to, to your machine? I think of these kind of things constantly. There's always like, you, th- you think, okay, if A happens, I'll do B, I'll do C. We're driving down the road, and I had to actually cut that kind of thinking. It wasn't up to me to plan how to replace the tire. I'm a prince. That's daddy's problem. 
easy to say. And I thought, you know what? A week from now, I'm going to be preaching about this stuff. So I did that. Clear Lake just seemed like a long drive. I would try and lose myself in music. Audra and I have a read aloud. It's an Agatha Christie book. I would try and concentrate on the murder mystery on that when she was reading. Uh, sometimes we'd talk. But every once in a while, Walter's thoughts would go to contingency. You know, what if this happens? What if that happens? And I thought, no, that's not how royalty prays. Will and Kate never worry about resources. They don't have to. Neither do I. Lord, I'm asking you could get us to Clear Lake. After that, there's towns nearby, Dauphin, Nipawa, and if I have to, I can even drive to Brandon. But I need to get there. And then I actually modified my prayer, and I says, Lord, if that's not the plan, I trust you that you'll take care of us. I'm your kid. We made it. Long story short, there's a little town called Erickson nearby. I got connected with a wonderful man named Bob. He ordered the tires on Monday, and on Wednesday they arrived and put them on. I got, and I bought three, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> I have the best spare in, in, in all the camping world. How do we, how do we apply this? What do we need to do? Here's another story some of you may have heard. This is one of my favorite presidential stories. You've got to wind your back, mind back a ways because now we, when we see a president going somewhere with his entourage, he has, you know, limos, guys with machine guns, all kinds of stuff. But you know, you go back 120 years ago or whatever, security wasn't quite that big of a deal. There's a story I heard about Abe Lincoln's kid wandering around in front of the White House, out on the lawn, maybe in the street in front of it. Like I said, in today's world, that wouldn't happen. But he was out there. Maybe he had a bodyguard, but at any rate, he was walking around there. And he he saw this really dejected soldier. So this kid came up to him and he says, Sir, what seems to be the problem? Now, my memory has faded on what the problem was, but there was an issue that this soldier had. I seem to remember that it had something to do with with his pension or something like that. I think he was wounded, but you know, you guys can Google it. At any rate, he had tried everything to get this fixed, and it was a dead end. So Abe Lincoln's kid said, Come with me. This little boy took this soldier, front door of the White House, down the hall, probably everyone's saying hi to him, probably, and no one stops him. He walked right into the Oval Office and says, Dad, there's a soldier here. He needs your help. I don't know how President Lincoln fixed it. He probably just called an aide and took care of it. 
But that kid knew dad could fix this problem. Not a moment of doubt. Come with me. We're going into the Oval Office. I'm sure that that soldier probably had never even been inside the White House. He'd done his best to defend it. But he was actually, he was actually in the presence of American royalty. And it probably went something like this. Tell me about your problem. The guy says, sir, Mr. President, this is what's gone wrong. This is what I've tried. Okay. Uh, uh, give your name to my secretary. It's going to be handled. It probably played out something like that. That's how we need to be. Think about who we're connected to. Another cool story is in the Bible. You, some of you might remember a minor character named Mephibosheth. After King David took over the kingdom, Saul, David, most of the family and everyone was, that was loyal to Saul was wiped out. And there's a verse where David asks one of his aides, he says, is there anybody from Saul's house that I can show honor to? And they said, well, pretty much everyone's wiped out. But your buddy Jonathan, your best friend, he had a son named Mephibosheth. A lame guy, actually. He had an, some kind of issue with his leg. And he's still alive. David said, okay, bring him here. He's eaten at the king's table. And from then on, he sat at the king's table. Did he deserve this? No. Did he ask for that? No. In fact, there's a verse he says, he even says to King David, he says, why are you doing this to a dead dog like me? King David said, your dad was Jonathan. He was my best friend. I'm honoring you. He had no relation, blood relation to King David, but he sat at the king's table. And he did for the rest of, the rest of the reign. Accept what God gives us. When God gives us a gift, a free room upgrade, coach to first class, a cool car, a motorcycle, or some other unusual great blessing, never respond, I do not deserve this. You are one of God's kids, and Dad can give whatever he wants to whomever he wants, Whenever he wants. Deserve has nothing to do with it. He is our dad, and we are his kid. So, this next chunk here, we're gonna do some, uh, I have a few verses, and, uh, I call this area of the message, training for reigning. Now, on something like that, royal inheritance. One day, the queen's going to die. One day, Prince Charles will die. Will and Kate are, are in line. One day, if they're still alive, they'll be king. Will, anyways. Uh, Kate, I heard, is a commoner. I'm not sure if that's true or not. But anyway, she married into the royal family. But you know what? Think Mephibosheth, you know got grafted in. 
The thing is, though, part of royal thinking is inheritance because Will and Kate know they're part of that and they can trace their ancestry back centuries. And one day all the trappings of royalty will be theirs. It's one of those already not yet. They already do get to do a lot of cool stuff, but mom gets to do even cooler stuff because right now she's in charge. And that's what we have, royal inheritance. Once again, daydream a little bit about those royalty pictures that I showed you in the beginning. That's who we're connected to. Greg, could I get you to read, please? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or death or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, 38, 39. Thank you. All right. That one is royal protection. We have that can take different forms. If you're out hiking in the woods, I found out this this last week that Riding Mountain National Park has about a thousand bears that call that place home. You know? So if you're out hiking, remember, you have royal protection. Now in my case, it was a much more mundane thing. I asked for protection on a tire. But it was royal protection. Abe Lincoln's son, I don't know how it worked when he was walking around, but I I would bet a lot of money that had anyone tried anything against him, that soldier nearby would have taken the bullet for him and fought off anybody else. And if you think of him in, in today's, you know, it's getting at royalty or a president or even a celebrity is very difficult. We have angels. Lots of them. That one is royal identity. The interesting thing is, if somebody puts a thought into your into your mind, all of a sudden it starts affecting how you think. The idea for this message came to me quite some time ago. I'm currently reading reading through the Bible cover to cover, and it's been amazing how often I've been reading stories and all of a sudden, wow, that's royalty. Read some more, and the next day is another chapter, oh, you know, and it just, it, it just highlights it. Now, of course, the same could be said if you, if somebody puts the thought of sheep in your head, when you're reading all the different things, you'll think that. If you're thinking worker bee, you know, well, that'll be in there also. Lately, this has been my bent because of today's message. But we have a royal identity, and as Nancy just read, thanks Nancy, uh, God has literally said, this is who you are. Hopefully now, we can better relate to this psalm. Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in His commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. Psalm 112, 1 to 3. One more thing. None of us naturally belong to God any more 
then us commoners belong to the house of Windsor. We are truly adopted. Our goal is to make heaven as crowded as possible. In fact, enlarging the royal royal family is a command. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. 